Well, good morning. I want to thank Pastor Bruce for inviting me to speak. And I said this in the other services, and I believe this truly. He's one of my favorite speakers. So you're a blessed group here. You get to hear him all the time, and I'm honored to be able to stand here today. As he said, we're here to meet a new family member. It's, it's amazing how that, that, that she didn't used to be, and now she's here. And uh, she's captured our heart, and um, she and her older sister, Eleanor, have been so much fun already in the few days that we've been here. Well, I'd like to invite you to turn in your Bibles, if you would, to um, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4. We're going to be looking at verses 9 and 10. It is a tweetable length story of a very important person in the Scripture. Uh, but before we get to that, I just want to say that, you know, I love coming out to this area because my kids seem to come up with great things for me to do while I'm here. The last time I was here, we went to a Lakers game, and that was amazing. And then the world shut down for COVID. Uh, and then this time we came back, I came back, and my kids suggested, hey, you know, John Mayer is going to be in concert at the Forum. You want to go and hear him? I said, of course I do. And so um, I went with them on Friday night in L.A. Forum. I mean, this is so iconic. Imagine that. And we listened to John Mayer. I don't know if you know John Mayer, but he is an incredible musician. I mean, the guy can play anything with strings, I think. He changes guitar between every single song. He can play banjo. I mean, and his vocal production, he goes all the way up into his falsetto range and back down. And, you know, it's just fun to watch someone who's really good at their craft. Now, I was together with 17,500 other people because I checked. And we're all sitting there listening to John Mayer and enjoying it. And he spoke to us very personal, personally, like he was talking to each one of us. But the one thing that I didn't get to do is I didn't get to shake his hand. I didn't get to tell him my name or actually meet him face to face. You know why? Because there were 17,500 people in that room. That he, there, he wouldn't be in a good state of mental health if he met every person who attends every concert that he, that he has. But if you read this through the scripture, the God who created the heavens and the earth, who is all-powerful, all-knowing, transcendent in being, he created you, he created me. I am astounded when I read in scripture that he knows my sitting down, my standing up, he knows my thoughts from afar off. It's like that God even though there are 8 billion people currently alive on the planet, has the capacity to know us individually and personally, and he welcomes us into that personal relationship. And sometimes, personal confession, I just haven't responded. There's uh, one of my favorite writers, John Ortberg, wrote a book, Closer Than You Think, and uh, as he talks about God and the presence of God, he describes how that he and his wife went on a, on a, a tour uh, to Rome, to the Vatican, and they saw the Sistine Chapel, and then he, he describes that, that, that amazing painting of Michelangelo uh, where God is reaching out to Adam, and this is what he has to, to say about that. Um, the figure of God 
is extended toward the man with great vigor. He twists his body to move it as close to the man as possible. His head is turned toward the man. His gaze is fixed on him. His arm is stretched out. His index finger is extended straight forward, every muscle taut. He is rushing toward Adam on a cloud, one of the chariots of heaven propelled by the angels. It looks like even in the midst of the splendor of all creation, God's entire being is wrapped up in his impatient desire to close the gap between himself and this man. He can't wait. His hand comes within a hair's breadth of the hand of man. He is being offered life with God. All of man's potential, physical and spiritual, is contained in this one timeless moment. And the, and the art historian, uh, the, the art historian's right. Now, Adam, on the other hand, is more difficult to understand. His arm is partially extended toward God, but his body reclines in a lazy pose, leaning back as if he has no interest at all in making the connection. Maybe he assumes that God has come this far and that he will close the gap. Maybe he is indifferent to the possibility of touching his creator. Maybe he lacks the strength. All he would have to do is lift a finger. Now, I want you to kind of get into this, okay? I want you to give me your Adam lazy pose. I mean it right now. Come on. Where's, where are those fingers? It's kind of like, oh, there's God. There you are. God wants to involve himself in our lives in a very personal and present way. I'll never get over that idea. You know, there are many stories in the Bible about people that kind of were captivated by this idea that God is present and willing to involve himself. You know that God is the sovereign creator of heaven and earth. He rules without, with, without challenge at all times. And we would never have known anything about God had he, not, had he not revealed himself to us. You have no capacity to know God unless God revealed himself first. And then he invites you to respond. I mean, there are great stories in the Bible that help us to understand people that made this connection to God. One of my favorite is Enoch. It, the Bible says in the, in, the, in the genealogy, this is kind of a genealogy day, uh, in the genealogies that so-and-so was born, he lived, he had a child, and then he lived this longer, this much longer, then he died. And everybody dies, 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 until you get to Enoch. And it says about Enoch that Enoch... Enoch had a child, he, he lived this much years longer, and then it says, and he was not because God took him. Excuse me? He didn't die? Now, if you're a great theologian today, factor that into all of your theories and boxes and everything. I don't know what's going on there. However, I just take the Bible for what it says. Enoch walked with God. Like he, like he walked with God. Hebrews gives a, a little bit more information. It says that, that Enoch, before he was taken, it was said of Enoch that he pleased God. So you know what? I hear that, and I get this little kernel that gets dropped in my, to my soul that says, okay, it is possible for a man 
to walk with God and actually to please God. I mean, I want to please God. Do you want to please God? Do you want to walk with God? Enoch walked with God. He pleased God. And then it goes on to say, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. For you must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. And so I'm a simple guy. I just take what the Bible has to say, and these kind of formulate what, how am I, I going to live my life, and how will I seek God? And so I, I decided years ago, because I wasn't good at praying, because you know what? I'm too busy to pray. Isn't that funny? The creator of the universe, the God of heaven, who loves me and knows me more than anybody else, is waiting for me to lift my finger, and I'm too busy. So I became, I became very convicted, and I, I remember I, I, made a, I made a vow. I don't make vows easily because Ecclesiastes says, don't make a vow and not pay it because God will curse the work of your hands. I'm thinking, man, i got enough problems already without God needing to curse the work of my hands. So... Um, so I made it for 30 days or 60 days. I can't remember because I'm very specific. I'm kind of a legalist in this area. Um, I said, God, I'm gonna, every, every day, you're the first person I'm going to talk to. I'm going to get up and I'm going to go. I have an office in my house and, and I'm going to actually kneel down. Why am I going to kneel down? You don't have to kneel down. But I needed to kneel down, kneel down so that I, I would like, I have, I'm focusing myself on what I'm doing. I'm I'm reaching God. I'm reaching up to him. I'm responding to him. And the posture of kneeling to me is really helpful because when I kneel, I bow before him and I remember he is God and I'm, I'm not. The only way this relationship works is if I surrender to him and I trust in him and believe in him. And, then, and I, I said, I'm going to just do this for these days change my life. You must believe that he is and that you, God rewards those who diligently seek him. My biggest problem was a lack of diligence. So I would get on my knees sometimes and I would say, well, God, here I am again. I've used up all of my words. I'm not really sure what I'm doing, but I'm here because I am seeking you the best as I know how. I'm here. I'm not feeling anything. Do you ever have days like that? But I'm here again. I was here yesterday. I'm here again today. By your grace, I'll be here tomorrow because I really, really want to learn how to walk with God and how to please God. And I don't want to live an ordinary, wasted life. I really don't want to do that. You know, there are people in Scripture who, who figured that out. I mean, Enoch was one. Noah, the world is so corrupt, God's going to send judgment. Noah finds, finds grace in the, in the eyes of the Lord, and God says, okay, i got a plan. I'm going to redeem all of humanity through you. Go build a big, big boat. You've never seen a boat before, but I want you to do it. I know it's a crazy plan, but just do it. Be obedient. It takes you 300 years. I mean, it's an amazing story, but he does. Um, there's, there's um, the story of Joshua one day. He's fighting a battle against the king, and, and, and he, 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 he prays this prayer because he, he, they're succeeding. The momentum is on their side. 
but the sun's going down. And so he's like, man, if I only had a few more hours left on this day, we could actually completely get rid of this enemy threat to our nation and our people. If, if we stop now, there will be a pocket of them that could regroup and attack us again. And so he prays this most audacious prayer. He says, God, would you let the sun stand still? Are you kidding me? You're going to ask God to interrupt the planetary movement for your battle? Yes, he is. And he does. And God says yes. And he gives them complete victory on that day. Okay, then. Whoa. This kind of stuff gets me thinking, what have I left on the table here? One of my favorite stories is the story of Elisha, the king of Amram. He, he's trying to get at the children of Israel, and it seems like, you know, as they plan their strategies, that um, somehow uh, the Israelites, they, they figure out the next place they're going. The king is finally, he's thinking, there's, there's a mole here. There is a leaker in this room. Who is giving them this information? And, and boy, you, you know, when the king gets mad like that, somebody could die quickly. So someone says, I think what's going on is that the prophet, Elisha, hears from the Lord and tells them what to do. Well, then let's go kill the prophet. He musters the king's army and goes to where Elisha is and Elisha's servant gets up that morning, walks out of, of, of his tent or building or whatever he was in, and, and he, he's astounded because the, the king's army has surrounded the place. I mean, they're as good as dead. He runs back and he says, Elisha, I mean, he's freaking out. Every, they're, they're here. They're going to kill us. The entire army is positioned against us. And Elisha's like, oh, man, just chill. I'm, I'm paraphrasing. It's not in the Bible. Come back out with me. And this is, what, this is what Elisha prays. Lord, open his eyes so that he may see. Then the Lord opened the servant's eyes and he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Oh, okay. So that army doesn't compare to God's army and I guess we're okay. There was a little boy one time, and they were trying to feed a multitude. Nobody had enough food. This little boy comes up and says, hey, I'll give you my lunch. Jesus says, deal. He takes a little boy's lunch, and he feeds thousands of people. That boy never was the same again. Here, here, here's the deal. We forfeit so much when we do not engage the presence and the power of God. And how do you do that? It's done through something very ordinary. It's called using your words in a conversation with God and asking God to teach you how to think and behave to provide. C.S. Lewis said this, Our desires are not too strong but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea, we are far too easily pleased. And God says, I'm here. I'm going to do in your life more than you could ever imagine, but like 
I need a little more than that. How about if you reach out and touch me? Jabez is a guy that prays a prayer, and the reason I, I picked Jabez is because um, I think a lot of us feel like, well, yeah, I am not Noah. I, I am, I'm not Enoch. I'm not, I'm not trying to be a hero of the Bible, right? I'm just like an ordinary person. I'm not so sure if this, all this works for me. And so then God picks out a guy, and he puts him in a genealogy, gives a little bit more detail than the rest of the people have in this chapter. And this is what he has to say, First Chronicles 4, 9 to 10. Now Jabez was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother called his name Jabez because I bore him in pain. And Jabez called on the God of Israel, saying, Oh, that thou would bless me indeed and enlarge my territory and that your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil that I may not cause pain. So God granted his request. Book closed on Jabez. We don't know anything else. What I love about this is that God says, you think you're ordinary? You think you're not a hero type? I'll listen to you. I'll hear your prayer. You have no idea what I can do in your life. Now, I don't know why um, Jabez was named Jabez. I mean, I get it. You know, in, I, I tread lightly in this topic, but childbirth does involve some pain. Um, but usually after the baby is born, the mothers are delighted by the birth of the child, and you know, the mood changes immediately, right? Okay, I've, I've been there and watched this stuff, and that's why I don't want to talk about it, because my wife would look at me. She's here to, to, right now, and I appreciate all the effort. For, you know, she delivered five babies. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for these five kids. And, but but this, this is, goes beyond just that normal stuff. She's like... This mother is in such a bad spot. The baby's born. She says, of all the things she could call him, just call him Jabez. Pain. Now, you know, that's a real hard name to go to first grade with. You know what I'm saying? He started with really difficult circumstances that we know based upon his name. Um... We kind of live in a world where people get hurt and they decide to hurt other people. Hurt people, hurt people. Have you ever heard that? It's really true. Reminds me of the story of the guy that came home from work. He was so agitated. It had been a bad day at work. He slams the door and out of frustration, he yells at his wife. His wife now is offended and she gets angry and she yells at her little boy. The little boy's upset now because mom just yelled at him. And so he, he gets mad and he yells at his baby sister. And the baby sister is upset now, so she goes out and she kicks the dog. And the dog is upset now. He goes out and bites the fence. Okay, but it's, it's a stupid story. But that's the world we live in, right? And Jabez says, I'm going to take a different approach. In my bad circumstances where I'm confused, where I have no idea what God is doing, I'm going to believe the stories that are in, he's in a genealogy. I'm going to believe the stories of how God is here and present and at work, and instead of being mad at the world and mad at everybody, I'm going to pray. 
and I'm going to seek God. Second point is that his, his response is he has a prayerful response to God. The God of Israel, not an unknown God, not a vague spiritual response, but the God who describes himself and reveals himself in the pages of Scripture and in the lives of the people that interact with him. He is the creator, the sovereign ruler of heaven and earth. And it, it, it is why we read the scripture, because we learn so much about what God is like in the lives of the people who are recorded in scripture. And Jabez seeks God. He believes that God is good, trustworthy, and so he prays. Third, the content of this prayer is a powerful prayer. It's a powerful prayer. Here are the four elements that we're going to go over those briefly. Oh, that you would, oh, that you would bless me indeed. Enlarge my territory. That your hand would be with me and that you would keep me from evil so that I may not cause pain. And God granted him what he requested. Bless me indeed. Everybody say, bless me indeed. Bless me indeed. Does that sound like a greedy prayer? It's not if you understand what he's doing here. Bless me indeed. I mean, this is not a shopping list of things that God has to get for us or we're not going to be happy with him. No, no, this, this is Jabez, who has already decided that God is good and trustworthy and also that God wants to bless him and he, he, that God would enlarge his territory. I mean, bless me indeed is actually a declaration of dependence and submission to God and a trust in his goodness toward us. Do you know God is not against you? He is for you. And so he says, I'm just going to start here. Bless me indeed, oh God, I'm here. I need you. I don't know if you've met my granddaughter, Eleanor. She goes to this church. She's in, an abor adorable little two-year-old girl with blonde hair. But you would expect me to say that. But anyway, it's true. I'm not making this up. She's, she's so wonderful. And she's spunky and sassy, and she loves to dress up. And she had her little Mickey mini tutu on yesterday with boots, and then she pulled out this box, and it has... It has jewelry, it has, it has bracelets and a necklace, and it has, she had her green sunglasses, and she's, she's just, oh my goodness, she's full of personality. She says to me, Papa, run. She grabs my hand. Because when you're two years old, running is still fun. <laughs> and so we ran, we ran in a loop, into the kitchen, around to the living room, back around into the kitchen, and back into the living room. And she was having a blast. We're running, run, and I'm running, running, but I'm not two years old. <laughs> Finally, I said, man, this was a lot of fun. I want to sit down now. <laughs> I noticed that Eleanor is a very independent young lady. I've tried to help her, and she'll say, Papa, no help. Well, I'm, Papa, no help. I do it. Papa, no help me. Papa, no help. I love that about her. But then she comes to a place where she says, Papa, help. That's where she lives right now. Papa, no help. I do it. Papa, help. 
That's where you and I need to be living, in the presence of God. And Jabez is like, God, bless me indeed. I need your blessing. I need your help. Psalm 127 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they that labor, labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It's vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. And this is such a kind of a confusing thing because you do need to get up and you need to work hard and you need to build your house and you need to watch the city. But you got to remember always, I'm, I'm doing what I can, but I am not doing this independently. I'm doing this dependent on God who I pray to every single day. Bless me indeed. Help me. Help me do what I'm doing because I'm not enough. But you are. Number two, he says, enlarge my territory. At first, it sounds greedy again. Give me more. Um, I, don't know, I don't think that's the point, though. I, I want to just give you a, 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 sort of an experiment here. Oh, everyone in this room, would you do me a favor and right now pick a number? Pick, it, this is a simple thing. Don't overthink this. Pick a number, and now tell the person beside you what number you pick. Come on. Try it. Come on. How much? What did you pick? All right. In 1998, Larry Page and Sergey Brin incorporated a company you may have heard of before. It's called Google. <laughs> have you heard of Google? They were students at Stanford University, and they decided to choose a number. And you know what number they chose? They chose one with 100 zeros. That's Google. These guys were big thinkers, make no mistake of that. They didn't choose a million or a billion. They chose Google. Do you know that in 2022, Google processed over 99,000 searches every second? That adds up to 8.5 billion searches a day. Because these guys had a big idea. You know what? Asking God to enlarge our territory could be a lot like, well, God, uh, I think there's a volunteer spot in this church that I need to fill, but I've never done it before. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to teach a class. I don't know how to be in a broadcast team. I don't know how to be part of the hospitality team. I, I'm, but enlarge my territory... Let me do something new. I met a guy who's on the broadcast team. He said, yeah, I'm so glad. I'm learning new stuff. Do you know why you get old and die? You stop learning new stuff. You stop asking for expansion. Um, in, at High Street, we have what we call our High Street Institute, which is an internship program. And... Um, Part of the orientation of the internship program goes like this, serving as in a committed way as a high street institute, a, a high street intern, will be an experience that challenges and grows your faith, and our prayer is that God does something greater than you can ask or imagine through it, which is Ephesians 3.20. So serving as a high street intern should do this. Number one, it should... Uh, be more than you can handle on your own so that you have to depend more on God and on his people. 
Number two, give you enough disappointments and difficulties to make you humble and help break your spiritual pride. Number three, have enough demanding, insensitive, ungrateful people in it to teach you to love like Jesus. Because it's easy to love people you like, right? But if, if, if this, guy is, this guy is a pain, not just Jabez, but this guy in front of me, but I'm going to love him anyway. Learn to work um, with volunteers, manage your time, deadlines, and resources. Have enough impossible and seemingly insurmountable obstacles in it to teach you the goodness and the power of God. And, and okay, it, there's more to this. And I, I, I go through this orientation every semester and then in the summer, and I'm wondering, well, I wonder how many of these people are going to actually stay for the internship after we've given this, this very exciting mission. And they do. And I watch them grow and learn. It's amazing. God, would you bless me indeed? Would you expand my territory? Would you give me new stuff to learn? Make me better at what I do? Would you give me gifts to give away? Would you take my life and use my life as a blessing to others? Would you, would you enlarge my territory and expand my coast? Yeah, I'm comfortable in the stuff I know. How about if you give me a new assignment, one that scares me to death and makes me feel a little insecure? Do you ever pray for that? Jabez did. And then he says, may your hand be with me. God, I, don't want you, I, I just want you to be with me. And you know what God would say to you is, I'm so glad because I always want to be with you. And then lastly, keep me from evil. Keep me from evil. I have a lot of discussions with people that say, so pastor, tell me, where is the line of sin here? If I do this, is, is that like actually sin? Or if I, if I can I go this far? And you know what I'm hearing in that discussion? I'm hearing this great enticement to do uh, maybe what you know is not right, and you want to go as far as you can go and still yet be, you know, that, that's a legalistic approach. And instead, we should pray the prayer of Jabez, God, keep me from sin. Let me get as far away from sin. Let me pursue your holiness and your righteousness. That's what I want. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 13, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. God, I really need you. I really, I really want you. When I was a little boy, four years old, I was sitting in front of a television in Springfield, Missouri. My parents were finishing up some educational requirements to be missionaries, and and it just so happened that on that day, what was broadcast was the funeral of President John F. Kennedy. I flipped and flipped and flipped the channels. That's be before when you had to actually touch the TV. Some of you remember that. And I'm looking for Popeye. <laughs> and I was, I was actually irritated with the United States of America. Why? Don't you know that there are some boys out here in TV land who want Popeye not to watch the news? but because there was no other option, because no one would dare carry anything except for the funeral of the president. I watched the funeral of the president. And for the first time in my life, I, I got a picture of death. And I had heard the, the John 3, 16 many times. My mom taught me diligently. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, 
that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And I looked at John, little John Jr. salute the casket of his daddy. And we were about the same age. And I remember feeling so sad. And I could feel the sadness of a nation. And I went to my mom and I said, Mom, she was busy doing laundry or cooking. Where is the president now that he is dead? And she said to me, Eddie, if the president had asked Jesus to forgive him of his sins and to save him, he is in heaven with God. If he hadn't, he is not. He is in hell. I don't know the president. I went back and I continued to watch the coverage of the funeral. And then I, for the first time that I can recall in my life, felt the Holy Spirit of God speaking me and drawing me to a conclusion I had never thought of before in my life. And I realized, wow, I've never really asked Jesus to come into my life and to forgive me. I love Jesus. Why, why would you not love Jesus? But I, I've never asked him to save me, to forgive me. And if I were to die sitting here in this living room on this couch watching TV, I would go to hell. And that scares me to death. I went to my bedroom, knelt down beside my bed all by myself, and I prayed this simple prayer as a four-year-old all by myself in the presence of God. I, I sensed the presence of God. It's the most amazing thing I've ever experienced. I said, dear Jesus, will you forgive me of my sin? Will you come into my life and take me to heaven when I die? I believe in you. Amen. I went to my mom. I said, mom, guess what? She said, what? She's busy in the kitchen. I said, I just got saved. She says, what? Wait till your dad comes home. He will talk to you. My dad came home. He saved me. Then we went to church, and they told me, go, go forward. One of the deacons saved me. Everybody is saving me. But from that moment on, when God spoke to me, and I responded, I've never been alone. I have a God who loves me and paid for me and saved me. And I've not been good all the time. And sometimes I strike the lazy pose. But then I am reminded that this God has never left me. And he's just waiting for me to reach up. Because he's already extended his finger toward me. So I want to invite you today. If you don't waste the moment, why don't we... Let me see your lazy finger. Come on, where's that lazy finger? Now, as we conclude, I want you to straighten your finger out and say, God, I'm, I'm wanting to touch you. And bow with me and pray. Say, oh God in heaven, I believe that you are and that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek you. I'm seeking you right now. And I pray that you would bless me indeed. I pray that you would expand my territory. I pray that your hand would be with me. And I pray that you would keep me from sin so I don't cause pain. I want you. 